Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Other host. Other host needs to hold the microphone farther from his mouth. <laughs> Roger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have a fantastic guest with us today, Mr. Jared Thompson. He is the owner of the Comedy Addict here in rural... Rural? That is not the word I was going for. Rural Indianapolis. Uh, I, I was trying to go with rustic. Maybe rustic was where I was going. Fantastic. Bloomington, Indiana. Thank you very much for coming with us today. Yes, no problem. So I would love to start off with just a little bit. Describe uh, describe yourself and the Comedy Attic and what people might expect were they to want to visit and have some laughs. Well, so the Comedy Attic is a very small club we seat 164 seats which is very i would say probably bottom 25 percent of a full-time club uh we have over the years we've been here about 11 years we have sort of grown after maybe year four or so grown into one of the handful of best clubs in the country i'm not saying that but i mean we're usually on every list that comes out and we, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for it. You know, the audiences, of course, we're in a town where the average person is probably a little bit more e- educated than a lot of places that you would go. And uh, what we've been really lucky with is that what is happening in comedy is also what our audiences are looking for. So sort of the downfall of a lot of clubs is that their audiences want bad comedy like either they're not as smart or they just don't sort of get what's going on in comedy and so we're just really lucky that sort of like my viewpoint on comedy is also what the town wants so that's really good and so after maybe five years or so we started uh, a festival as well we do a festival in the summertime called limestone comedy festival and that has been really fun and uh so yeah we've been here for you know 11 years and it's pretty great like we really love doing it and uh more than anything maybe it's nice to not have a job like or to not have a boss you know that's maybe my favorite part of it is that and that's really it, it it's a it's a blessing and a curse because you know just if you 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 sort of find yourself if you don't ever ha- have to answer to someone maybe uh, saying things in public, like in a restaurant or like just in a, in a normal setting, you're like, you know, (laughs) I don't, there's no consequences to it. Like you never try to be mean to someone, but just like maybe, you know, joking around with someone, you don't really think about it in terms of, well, like I could get, I could get fired for saying it. So, but yeah, so that's, that's, it's been great. And, uh, you know, since we opened, of course, my wife and I, we've had two, two kids. And so our lives have changed quite a bit over, over that time. And, Recently, I've been spending a lot of less time here. Uh, I coach both of my son's ba- baseball teams, so I'm not here as much as I was. and uh, So that's been nice. But, yeah, it's been great. I mean, we're really lucky to be able to, to do this. And, uh, you know, the, the comics love to come here. And one of the other really great things about it is we're not in a in – a, in a big market. So we'll get someone like a John Mulaney or a Mark Marin or like a Maria Bamford who are working on a new special or something and they can come here and it doesn't, they're not burning a market. That's sort of like a inside baseball term where 
you know, they can't do, there's no singular, this is a crazy thing to say, but there isn't a singular comedy club in Chicago, for for instance, that's better than we are because someone like a John Mulaney or Hannibal Burris or whoever, like they're going to play a theater there. They're going to play a big theater. So they can't do Zanies or one of the other clubs because they can do the theater and they can make 10 times the, 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 the money. So we end up getting people that, even bigger clubs in like major cities aren't getting so that's really cool that that's kind of awesome i bloomington is an interesting town for that sort of a thing it seems like a lot of the the businesses in town exist in a slightly different paradigm and, and it's and it's a benefit to everybody that is around it's well it's funny you say that because like from from a like an independent music standpoint like most of the venues in town are still and I don't know that I would say they are, but just the city is sort of stuck in the nineties when it comes to pricing of music shows. Like I'll go see a band that I would easily pay 20, 25 bucks for, for like seven, eight bucks because it's just been a stigma. And, you know, one of my best friends, you know, books the Bishop down downstairs. And I mean, over the years I've seen some of my favorite bands there and I've never paid more than like eight bucks to see a show or maybe 10. So it's like, I think that that's, it's it's weird like we we sort of have that same problem as well where it's like we'll get a comedian who you know is sort of maybe at the beginning of their draw and they're like oh the tick we should make the tickets like 20 bucks i'm like well we just can't do that like that's a for a 20 dollars show that's like a major for us at least that's a mark Marin. that's a big name mm -hmm. now Marin's gone to a 30 dollars ticket but i'm just saying like that's you know a 20 dollars ticket is a lot of money to a lot of people's in you know in in their mind so it just you know we are behind the times in bloomington when it comes to how much things cost like it just isn't now some things just cost what what they cost it's not like our best buy is cheaper than another best buy no but entertainment wise we're definitely lagging in this and it does hurt in a lot of ways like there's a lot of you know like you'll notice that we don't get a lot of like upper tier independent music artists because if they can go to a bar in, in Indianapolis and the ticket's 20 bucks or here it's 12, they're going to go to Indianapolis, even though it's yeah. not as good of a city. Yeah. So why don't we start with the basics? How did you get into this project in the first place? How did you come to say, I need to open a comedy club? Well, so 2008 was a really bad year for, for me in a, at the beginning of the year, my mom passed in Jan January and, uh, we found out, uh, we had just bought a house and we found out that my job. So I used to be the regional sales manager for insight, which was our, which was the uh, c cable co company here. Yeah. And we were bought by Comcast, which of course was just, a, just a horrible, you know, it's just awful. Like they could be the worst co company in the world. It's all, it's all butterflies. I yeah, swear. It's, it's bad. Now, having said that, I st of course still have their internet cause it's the best one, but it's just, you know, it sucks that that's true. But so, you know, we, we, I, you know, we had one of those stupid meetings where they're like, Oh, like this is going to be fine. And of course everyone I know lost their job. Yeah. So I actually was offered to keep my job, but I would have to, um, go to Fisher's. And I just told him to fuck off. I was just like, I'm not driving. We just bought a house. We're going to start a family. Like I'm not going to drive up to Fisher's every day. And we're definitely not moving there. So, and this is like a completely hundred percent true story. I came home from work 
my wife got off work. Well, I mean, we weren't, yeah, we had already been married. Yeah. And, uh, I told her and we just sat down with a piece of paper and we wrote down what can we open? And it was literally the, maybe the third thing that we said. Now the first two were a coffee shop, which is just because it's just something that you could probably do and a bookstore, which, you know, it, we just didn't really know it. It faded right to the back when we thought of a comedy club, it was just somehow, Neither one of us, I had booked one show ever in comedy. Like I used to book bands, but I never booked a comedy show. I booked one. And so I had no experience doing it. I didn't have any contacts. I didn't know anybody. And so literally like two days later, we were scouting buildings. We were looking for different places and we just happened. I don't even remember how it happened. I think it was because, so my wife worked at the Trojan horse for, for a while and I think she just knew Steve Volan, who used to own the cinema. He's like a um, local, like a c- city councilman. And he owned the cinema, which is downstairs, which was a video store, which is now where the bishop is. And uh, I don't know how it even happened that we he was like, oh, there's an, a there's like basically like an abandoned building like upstairs from the cinema. And so he let us up here and we were like, there's no way this is a comedy club. This is like, I mean, it was an office building for the Knights of Columbus. It was just a, basically the whole thing was just nothing. And then a guy had an office chair and a laptop and he would come, come in here, you know, a couple times a week and that was it. So there was no vision. There was no nothing. We, we basically were like, this won't work. And we started to look for something else. And then, we just, the more we thought about it, we were like, actually, you know, we could put the stage here and it's already got bathrooms and it has everything. It really was already something. And, uh, I mean, it had, a, I think they used it for like a bingo hall, uh, cause there were boards b- nice. back there. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, it didn't really make sense at the time, but the more we got to work on it. And of course, other than laying the carpet and, that's basically it. We did everything else. We painted the walls. We, uh, we pulled the, the, so this here. So, so I know no one can see this, but, um, (laughs) behind the, the guys is a brick wall, which we just did the other day, like maybe a month ago. Um, because we were having like water damage, but this is exactly the same thing that we did with the stage where we were like, well, this is where the stage would go, but this wall is horrible. And there were like five or six layers of shit from over the years of like, they put up, you could just almost, it was like a tree where you could see the years in the rings. It was like, you could see the seventies, you could see the fifties because of the wallpaper. Yeah. You could just tell what year, what era it was by the different levels of wall that were there. And eventually we hit brick. And of course, as you know, we probably, it, it's more corny than we intended it to be at the time. We didn't really know anything about comedy clubs at the time. <laughs> so we were like, Oh, brick wall. We've seen that in a comedy club before or whatever. <laughs> and of course now it's like, it's kind of hokey, but it works, you know, but it's, like we also, fun. when we first started, we had our phone number was LAFF at the end. Like you just don't know what you're doing yet. I mean, that's obviously way too corny, but you just, you just do because you think it, it's that funny. Mean, you could pick the numbers, kind of. Right. <laughs> That's right. I guess you guys, since 
it's you know you I guess you can't you still can't do that huh I didn't know that but no. that makes sense we generally don't bring in outside information from the podcast I gotcha. stay away from that gotcha but, gotcha sure uh, yes uh, from well, our experience they're CIA in case if anyone you, was wondering and if if people don't know Bloomington or live around or hear about things in Bloomington it's not like you can just readily find space in Bloomington for that's one a, that's a really good point and the the way that you can adjust or do things, it doesn't get approved in Bloomington. Like you, you're <laughs> not going to get anything approved in this town. I mean, you and, couldn't be more right about this. So it's, it's not like, Oh, we'll just go and there's a building and we'll do stuff. No, that's not how it works no. around here. We got really lucky because this was just, they, so this was a gathering space when they did the bingo stuff or, and if anyone for the night from, from the local chapter of the Knights of Columbus is listening. I'm not trying to be offensive, but they used to come up here for their meetings, but because it's only stairs, they eventually got older. And so now they're down they're on the regular level. Yeah. And so they never bothered to file the paperwork to change it to the change of use to like an office. So if they would have done that, we wouldn't be here. Hmm. It was just a, it's like one, there are like 10 of those that if somebody would have done something differently, we wouldn't have been able to exist. Because if we were to have built this place in the same amount of space, there'd be 60 chairs in here because of just the way that the codes have changed. And yeah. you have to have like 15 yeah. square feet per person or whatever. And the way we have it now, it's like six because it's the way the rules were when it was written when this was a gathering place. So it's it's uh, this is kind of nerdy maybe but this is interesting i mean it really is we just wouldn't have ne like we would have never been able to to book you know arsenio hall if that if they would have walked into city hall and changed the use yeah so all, all, it, there's a lot of that that goes on around here because this town like you said uh, pricing and things like that are stuck in the 90s but yeah. really the construction and the layout of this town is stuck in the before the 90s. <laughs> the 20, you know, 20, 20, and like some of it I agree with and some of it I don't. I mean, like I definitely agree with the idea that I, I like the idea to keep the downtown looking interesting. Uh, so there were things that we wanted to do that in hindsight I was like, I actually don't d disagree with the city planners because the awning that, that we have is ugly. It just is. And now that I can kind of do whatever I want. Like we don't really need to advertise. Like there's nothing to do in the city. Like I know that sounds crazy, but it's like if you're 30 years old, 30 to 45 or 30 to 60 or whatever the, our age group is, and you don't go to the bars, you're either going to stay home. You're going to go to the movies or you're going to come here or on occasion there's a concert mm -hmm. and that's it. There's you, nothing else. Do you think that's, the age group that you see here mostly or yeah, do you see average, more of the college kids well we do actually have a way to track this our average cu customer is like 36 and needs a babysitter that's just that's true now we thought when we opened that we would have more students but it just is one of those things where it's like you know there's a lot pulling them away so like i mentioned with the bars like if you can go to you know whatever bar and get a 15 cent drink you know, I don't know what the specials are, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There are certain nights where you can go to different places and shit's really cheap or you get a free shirt or whatever. So they're waiting for us to have like someone that they know from TV, which we do also do. Like we do cater to most types of people 
at some point during like a three or four month span. I talk with my hands a lot. I've noticed on this podcast, but yeah. So, I mean, we, we thought we would have college students more than we did. So we, we sort of envisioned our lineup being much more like, you know, comics that are, that are famous to college kids. But the, the problem is there aren't that many of them. And a lot of them are way too famous to come here. Like one of the biggest comics, you know, to college students is da- Daniel Tosh just from the show. Sure. Like, he's not going to come. He's going to do, he was, you know, he did like, you know, he was going to do like the football field. Like, and then they, they did move it to a different venue, but I'm saying that's, they thought that he could do the football field. And this was like, what, two years ago. So yeah, I mean, our, it sort of changed over time, like what we, wh- who our audience was. And I think now it's, we've rooted out, like one of the things that I've actively tried to do is root people out of coming to China. That sounds horrible, but like, we don't want people, we don't want dumb he- heckler. And most of the time, not always, if you're listening and you're like, Hey, I live in Bedford. Typically it's people <laughs> from the outskirts of Bloomington who think that that comedy is a, you know, that you're like part of the show or whatever, or you voted for Trump and you're like, oh, this comedian is too left wing. And now every comedian is left wing, basically. So that's just the way it goes. So now the Trump jokes have, of course, come down like it's kind of, I wouldn't say hacky, but it's just boring at this point. Like it just people, I don't remember the last time I heard like a new Trump joke. Mm. So, but there was a time where like we would, you know, but we have sort of rooted out all of the people that we don't want here. And it just, it's the thing that you hear from comedians of one of the reasons, like one of the reasons that we're considered one of the best clubs is just, we're not terrible. It's one of those things where it's like actually sort of using the, the, the parallel to like the internet, we were talking about that Comcast is the best one. If there was another, you know, if somehow it, it, you know, Smithville, or if there was some sort of like a, uh, like a satellite internet that was affordable to, to people. And it was also at least halfway decent, right. Then people would switch. So they're considered the, the best just sort of like, because it's just is faster. Well, in the same way, like we're considered, one of the best clubs in the country just because we don't, we're not actively terrible, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. sort of like by default, we could really sort of lax on about half of the shit that we do and still be thought of as one of the best clubs because every other club is so bad. Like, they allow heckling. Like, if they have people in the crowd that are like offended by a comedian, they'll give them free tickets to, to come back. Like we're trying to get rid of those people. Yeah. If you talk dur- during a show, I'm we're going to ask you to leave just because the rest of the crowd is trying to have a good time. So I'm not going to re- reward the people who suck. I'm going to try to get rid of them so that the people next to them know that we're serious, that we want you to have a good time and not have to listen to some idiot who is, you know, has come from Spencer or wherever and just doesn't understand how, how this works. So, you know, our biggest hurdle honestly was, was Bear's Place. That was always our biggest hurdle because people had been going to see shows there for so long and it was anything goes there. Yeah. You could talk, you could anything. It didn't matter. You could probably be naked in the show and nobody would give a shit. <laughs> so we had to sort of root out those people too who like just had been going there for years and they could talk at their table or yell out at the comedian and it's just the way it was. So that was our biggest hurdle of sort of creating the right a- atmosphere. You know, it's art, and a lot of people don't think that it is, and that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to, but 
we treat it like it's ba- ballet. That's the way it's treated here. So well, I don't know. I don't know about Richard, but I'm a huge fan of uh, stand-up comedy. So as soon as you started talking about like uh, John Mulaney and Maria Bamford, it's like, yeah, I, I love those people. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's not like their act they just put together in a couple days. Like this is something that was cultivated over years and years and years of doing clubs similar to this and building up their routine and their reputation yeah our fourth week ever was a amy schumer and our fifth week ever was john John mulaney i mean that's how right we got it right from the beginning and you know amy can actually that's her headshot right there she looks like she's about 12 Mm -hmm. she she came here several times and she actually was the reason that we got on our first list like so we were named to one of the 10 best clubs in the country by usa today it was a list that amy made and that was kind of the that pretty much put us on the map. That was probably like two years after we opened. That's cool. And that put us on the map right away. And that's where, and you know, I had a lot of sort of, it's weird. Cause like I, ha- I have a very, uh, um, like if I want something, then I just get it. If that makes sense. Like I have a yeah. terrible habit of like buying shoe. Like I'm a shoe guy. I probably have like 150 pairs of Jordans and I have, you know, my record collection, I have like 11,000 records. So I have a very sort of uh, addictive thing, uh, you know, uh, you know, but th- thankfully I don't drink or do drugs or anything. So or else I wouldn't be here right now. But my point is, is that like I somehow though have shown an inadequate amount of restraint over the years in in this club what i mean by that is is that we you know it there's always going to be in in this business you're always trying to save and or spend as least amount of, save as much or spend as least amount of money as you can and one of the ways you can do that is you know comics get ripped off very easily yeah uh you hear stories about in the 80s where you'd have especially women in comedy would have to count heads in the show like they would literally have to go out there and count heads in the show because they were being ripped off by the club owners and of course like i said it was most you know not mostly but a lot a lot of times it happened to women because in this business we i am in one of the most sexist businesses on earth and it's still bad so this is not something that's been solved it just doesn't happen as much as it used to but right off the bat i decided that we were going to go the complete opposite way so one way that we sort of be- became a club with a good re- reputation is that I would pay sellout bonuses even if there were 30 at, at, you know 30 seats at, empty. Cuz in my thinking I'm like okay, Brian P- Posehn is here. He's got every person in comedy in at LA he's friends with. Right. The mm-hmm. last thing that I want to do is he would tell me a story or not just him, or, you know, Doug Benson or someone else would tell us a story like, Oh my God, I was four people short and they didn't pay me the sellout bonus or they stopped selling the tickets at, at the door. They were telling people that it was full so that they didn't have to pay the bonus or whatever. So I went the other way. I was like, how can I get this club when it's being talked about in that circle, wherever they are to be like, well, this dude does it totally di- differently. Yeah. And that's what that's what we did. Not be that sketchy guy. Right. Exactly. So like we almost almost stupidly from like a business standpoint have gone the complete opposite direction. So So how how does how does the club now this is I don't I don't need to go into the finite behind the scenes details. That's not what I'm asking, but like how does the club profit? How does the we club don't. make money? <laughs> so it, 
my wife has a job is basically how that happens. Like, you know, I, I say that, but we make enough, but like, I don't have a manager. Like we don't, ha- I can't afford to pay somebody. Like, so I answer the phone like during the day. If, if you see me out and my phone rings, I'm answering a call from a customer. That's mm. just how it works, you know? So most clubs have like a staff of people. Like you call in to like, you know, the newest club around here is, is a helium in, uh, Indianapolis. Like they have a daytime manager and like several people that answer the phones or they work on, you know, filing orders away or whatever. Not, we have none of that. And if we did, we wouldn't still be open. So sort of the downside of booking the comedians that you believe in is that there's not a lot of money in it. So if you're like, I'm just trying to think of a comedian who, so J- uh, just off the top of my head, J- James Adomian is one of my favorite comedians. He's a guy that can do. He's an. It, he's a great just regular comic, but he's also does it does it does it impressions and uh, just a super gifted person. So I could get the same attendance by paying a road comic one third of what I paid James to 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 come here, and we'd have the same amount of people in the seats, and it would be the same as far as. But I believe in his career. I think that eventually he could be someone that the tickets are $30. And I want him to remember that every year, like clockwork, I booked him because I believed in him. And I do. And so that's every single time he walks through the door, I'm losing money to do that. But if I believe in you, I'm going to keep booking you. Now, there is a flip side to, to that as well. If you stop getting credits or you stop being it, it you know i've certainly stopped booking people if they're not trying you know the last thing i want to do is book someone who does the same you know hour every single time that, that they come here so i mean but point being that like it is expensive to book comics who are in high demand so even though james isn't a household name in comedy he writes for a lot of shows or whatever so his availability is low so he's going to ask for more money because he's only got 10 or 15 weekends a year to work. So he needs to make money in those weeks. So if you're a road comic and you work 45 weeks a year, you'll take less money because you can make it sort of in the long game. So the easy a- answer is we make our money on food and drinks. And that's even then, even though we do have an item minimum, which every club does, Yeah. our prices are so cheap this is part of back to what we were saying is that like i can't charge six dollars for a coke in bloomington i just can't now you go to almost any comedy club and that's what it costs so not only do i have to pay the same amount of money for the same comic even though we have less seats even though it's there's a lot of reasons why we why we don't make the same the same money i'm also not making the same money on the food and drink that they're buying either because i'm still paying the same amount of money for that bud light that a club in st louis is paying and they're charging 850 and i'm charging 375 so it, it, it re- there really isn't a ton of money in it frankly but you you have that uh you have to you get to have the business be the way that you want it to be and that's that's right. worth something for sure oh for sure i mean it's so much more enjoyable to care about what's on your stage now we do hold our nose from time to time on certain things of course and even certain things within what you would think that we would like you know what i mean like there are even in like the is rancid of a word as this is in the alternative comedy world which is sort of what we would be thought of 
there are bad comics even in that world who can sell t- tickets. Sure. So, you know, like for instance, we had Burt Kreischer here. And, uh, you know, it's just not something that we would normally do, but he's got a lot of fans and he's funny. So we did it, you know, and it was like the most expensive show that we ever did. And it isn't, I I wouldn't go to see him personally, but like he's, he is really good at what he's doing. I have to admit it it like reminds me of Bob Bob Dylan in in a weird way where like, I'm never, ever going to listen to Bob Dylan, but I, I know he's good. I just don't like it. That's that's Burt Kreischer. Well, that's that's comedy in a nutshell, though, really, because right. it's it's not even a, a, often a matter so much of whether the comedian is skills, because a lot of them are. It's can the comedian make a connection with the crowd? It's kind of like what you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, right. being able to tailor it to to the the people that they're talking to. I remember being in college and being on our campus events committee. And we had to determine who was going to come to come to college to perform. And we went out and we saw several comedians. And I was the minority in the group that went. And I tried to advise them against choosing who they chose because I knew that they were going to bomb when they came. It's, it's like, it's not that she's not funny. She's really funny. They are not going to like her. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. did not I was going to make well. a joke that you're so old that it was Bach. But then he said it was a comedian. So, damn. <laughs> Oh well. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. He's not that old. Anyone who's listening that doesn't know what he well, looks like, or I was gonna say, I've seen Bob Dylan like four or five times. <laughs> right, but, but but do you? But so do you see my point though? Oh it's no. Actually, and my I'm gonna open up a him. bad can of worms Just here, but it actually him. reminds me of the uh, I don't even want to call it a reboot, but the uh, uh, Mad Max re- oh, reboot, yeah. where like I was sitting there and I was like, this is junk. I can't stand this, but I get that it's good. I just don't like it. There's a big difference between a band slash musician or a movie or a comedian. There's a big difference between it being bad or it being, you don't like it. Yeah. Like the, I would never listen to the sex pistols, but they're, they have meant as much to the music that I listen to as any other band. I just don't like the way it sounds. I have those feelings about Elvis Presley. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, he was also racist, but that's all right. Well, it's you a know, different story. I like to think of it just the, the mu- music that he played, the music that he stole. <laughs> that side of it. When I mean, the that's the thing. Singer, that's I awesome. will say this, though. I've been to Graceland twice, and it does change. Have you been? I have not. So that's the thing is that like it's weird how you sort of feel closer to him because I don't I actually felt the same way as you up until I went. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Let me just sort of very slowly get into this a little bit. And I do enjoy listening to it from time to time, but it isn't it certainly it's not the Beatles or Led Zeppelin to me. Like it's 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 I it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. But he was he was different for his time. Sure. Right? Now, is there is there one of those in comics. comics right now that you're kind of viewing like different for their time? Right, right. Is there somebody like that that you you wish you could get here that's like that? Or the only person, honestly, there's only one comedian that we've ever tried to book that we just could never get them to, to do it, and it's Paul F. Tompkins, and he oh. is kind of out of stand up at this point anyway. Like he's doing a lot of other stuff, but. He actually wrote a whole thing about the reason of his experience. Um, you know, he uh, he just he just he he went to a comedy club in Atlanta and tried to record his album, and it went 
poorly and his crowd wasn't there. Like for some reason he felt like that they didn't advertise that he was going to be there. And so then there ended up being people in the crowd that didn't know who he was or didn't like him. So he wrote this whole thing about how he was just going to do, you know, like non comedy club venues. And that was around the time that we first tried to book him. And it, he, I mean, I asked help of, you know his closest friends and it still didn't work so but other than that we've been able to book everything i mean obviously you know brian regan was never going to step foot in a 164 seat club so like there are people right. like that that are just too big to come here but anyone who would play a similar room i've been able to book now I, is it just me now that i love paul f tompkins mm -hmm. uh but does it look like he's about to open a haberdashery at any given moment? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, like, he definitely looks, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, he definitely dresses a very spe specific way. Yeah, like, looks like he'd be from, like, a boardwalk in, like, the 1800s <laughs> or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, he, but he's just, like, he's exactly, even if we, tr you know, we even tried to get him at Limestone where we're in the theater. And it's just by the time we tried to make make the offer he was kind of out of doing like regular stand-up shows so i don't know if that'll ever happen but it's always a hope he, he makes appearances here and there in like you know tv shows yeah like right. he's yeah he does all kinds of stuff that's not just stand-up hmm. so you kind of talked a little bit about the the behind the scenes of what it's like um in in creating the environment that you want but in the day-to-day -day, how much legwork is it to try and get this to create what you want. I mean, you obviously have to plan for the future. What What is a day-to-day -day like for you? Well, it's a lot different than it used to be. I mean, when we first opened, like, I had to do all the work, and I had to find the comics, and I had to make offers and sort of just hope that they'll take them. But now it's just throwing a dart at a dartboard. I mean, it really – every comedian that, you know, is within – the means of us booking wants to come here. I mean, you get the occasional, like I'm not touring right now or I'm filming something or, you know, we'll have somebody booked and then they have to cancel cause they got a roll on something or whatever. But you know, most of the cast of Saturday night live, like they want to come here on the off weeks and there's, you know, really any, there really is hardly anyone that I can think of that doesn't want to come here. So we can pretty much book whatever we want. And that's really nice because that wasn't true at, at the beginning. I mean, I remember this is an interesting story. So I was watching someone else's video back when YouTube, and maybe it still does this where it'll say like, if you, you know, liked this then you might lie or just whatever. So I was watching someone else's video and I see, uh, a video by a comedian named Tigna Tigna Tig Nataro, who's one of my favorite comedians. Hilarious. She's on our we have a Mount Rushmore of comedians and she's one of the four on there. And I was just like in my mind I was thinking that her name seemed like super ethnic and so I was like, Oh, we've hardly had any, you know, non black or white comics. It's been one or the other and mostly white, of course. And um so I don't mean to say, of course, just like there's more white comedians, I guess. Sure. But anyway, so I watched it and of course I realized she was white, but I was like, man, this is, this is really interesting. It's uh one of her most famous jokes is uh no, no moleste. It's like when she was in a ho hotel and that's what it says on the door instead of do, you know, like a, to, to tell them do the, not disturb. Right, right. Right. So I watch it and I'm like, man, this is great. So I, you know, I lo look her up. There's a phone number on her website. It's her manager who's still her manager now. 
And he was like, a comedy club? Like, what? Like, are you, she hasn't done a comedy club in forever. Like, she does, like, house shows. Like, she'll do, like, living room shows. She doesn't, she hasn't been on the road to do, like, a comedy club in a really long time. And I was like, well, I'd really like to book her. Uh, uh, and so we did. And this would have been, like, 2010, I suppose. And so Chris and Ben Swanson, who own uh, S- Secretly Canadian, the the label, the you know, it's the same label that like bon, that uh, bon, Bonnie Vare is on, and they have a bunch of other like famous artists. They live here, and the the label is based here. And so she had opened for Jens Lechman, who's like a he's a maybe Swedish. I can't remember. He's um he's a singer, and somehow on one of his tours, she opened for him. I don't know the story of it or whatever. So they they were the Thursday night show. There were twelve people here, and they were two of them, and they signed her that night to their label. Huh. So when she recorded the album, she came back to Bloomington. She actually did it at Russian Recording. Um, so she sort of like became this figure in town, and so she actually was the opener of the of the uh, fir- first Limestone. I think she came to the club three times on her own. One of them was the album re- release weekend. And then she came back to Limestone. She's been back to town a few times since then. But like that's just sort of like a weird sort of Bloomington-related re- story. But that came from me watching videos. Well, see, I don't do that as much as I used to. So, but that it, that like I probably found you know six, seven, ten, fifteen comedians the first few years just by watching y- YouTube videos. So again, we don't really have to do that a- anymore. But how far out do you have all your acts booked? I mean, right now I'm booking in March-ish, and I try to not book too far out because, for instance, when we, you know, in the last year and a half when John Mulaney wanted to come here or when Mike Bur- Mike Burbiglia wanted to, to come here, like we, you don't want to have too much booked because then you have, it sucks to have to bump a person. Like I really have only ever done that once. And so I don't want to have everything booked. I kind of want to have like an oh shit few weeks open so that I can just be like, yeah, I have that open. Let's do it there because it can be a pain in the ass if you don't, if you don't give, give it time, you know? Yeah. You keep bringing up all these comedians that I love. I mean, Mike Berbiglia, man, he, he can, he can make you laugh and, and make you uh, tear up. At the same well, the, time. the one time that I did have to bump so- someone, um, so he came here in January of 2017 when he was getting ready for his new, the, the tour that he's on Broadway with now, mm-hmm. or I think it's now in, I think he did an LA re- residency, but so he did, a like a Broadway version at first and now it's the specials on net- Netflix. I think it's just this week it's on there, but when he's getting ready for that special, he came here at the very start of getting it ready in January of 2017 and in like April, my phone rings and it's him. And I was like, this is really weird. Cause I had worked with his brother, Joe, who does most of his booking. Yeah. And, uh, or I think he's his manager, but, uh, he was like, you know, I'm getting ready. The show starts in June or whatever. And he was like, I really want to come to your club to work it out the week be like, I want it to be the last place I go. Like before we go to Broadway, 
that's how much fun I had in January. That's cool. So I had to bump actually Tom to car. Who's like, uh, you know, he's our first ever, like he's got a half hour special now, but at this point he was, we were probably the only club who was headlining him. He, he came up through Bloomington. So, you know, he paid Tom to move the week and Tom uh, opened for him, which was nice. And so now they're friends. Like one of the coolest parts about the job is that, you know, I have, been able to sort of pair people who have then, you know, have gone gone on to, you know, work, you know, like write on the person's show, like like one of the writers for Marin's show, he was his opener here, and, you know, it's really cool also that like a lot of the people that work here are like lifelong friends with other people that work here, and some of the comics, and it's just you know that's a really interesting part of it is that like uh you know. The Knights of Columbus, again, I hate to keep bringing them up, not changing the use of this building is one of the biggest reasons that, like, Mark Marin, so, like, Ryan Singer Mm -hmm. is the comic who I was thinking of, he ended up working on Mark's show. That would have never, because there's no way we would have been able to book Mark Marin with 60 seats. So he would have never gotten that job if we would have never if they would have gone and changed the use of the building, you know, it's just a weird sort of chain of events. It's sort of like the, you know, like, uh, 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 Marty's brother has no head in the photo. If that makes sense. You know, <laughs> well, it definitely makes sense. And it's, and it's favorite movie. That's right. It's funny how things are connected. You know, one of the interesting connections that I want to make right now is I want to connect to this conversation to our social media. We always take a moment in the middle of the podcast <laughs> to uh, talk about our availability should you ever want to know anything about the Pudding Guys. We are on Twitter, of course, at Real Pudding Guys. We are on Facebook and on Instagram at Pudding Guys. And, of course, maybe even the most important, we are on Patreon at Pudding Guys. For just a dollar a month, you can help support the podcast as we go out find interesting people to talk to and also new places to go, new equipment to find, less uh, static, and computers that don't crash. <laughs> Still alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, back to it. Uh, <laughs> well, that brings up a good point. Obviously, social media stuff has evolved, even since you were watching YouTube videos. What type of effect, if any, has that had on even just the business or the club or the people that can come or want to come here? Uh, so we're, I'm kind of, I've nothing bothers me more than places that sort of spam you. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, so I send, we just, it's like once a week, like we'll make one Facebook post a week. We'll make one tweet a week. If a comedian tweets, we'll retweet it and then make our own tweet later in the week. But I just, I look at it like, you know, I have a, you know, uh, obviously as, as a former sales manager, I have a marketing background and if we were in almost, if we were in any other city, I would do things totally differently. Even if we were in like Louisville or whatever, like there are other things people can be doing, but I look at it like if you have to be reminded 10 times a week that we're here, we're not that you don't like us that much. Like if that makes sense, like we need people who really like stand up to be at the shows and that's who our audience is. So, I mean, we do get sort of criticized either by the, 
by the managers or the, you know, the, some of the people that are there, they're like, well, why don't you, you know, mention more often that so-and-so is coming. And it's like, well, also we have a show, a new show every single week. So like if I were to say today, oh, in four weeks we have this person then I'm taking away from who's here this week. So it's really hard to pick your spots and when you can say this person is coming up soon or whatever it's i i just i decided a while back that like we just weren't gonna be a place that like we're not gonna post like charlie chaplin videos or whatever like it's just some of these hokey clubs will do this weird shit like that it's just like it's just not we're not gonna have like joke of the day or anything like that it's just we sort of have just tried to stay sort of above the fray a little bit like it just i don't want to get down in the dirt with these clubs that are like you know, if you can guess the right answer, you get two free tickets. It's just kind of hokey. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, we're not a big so- social media club. I mean, we have like 6,000 followers on Twitter. And that's our, oh, I think we have like 10,000 on Facebook. So we have people, but it's like we're not, you know, we're, I just, I think it's sort of the nicer thing or the more hu- humane way to do it is like, if it's Thursday, there's going to be a post from, from, you know, if it's Thursday, then I can find out who's going to be at the comedy attic. I don't know. Well, and your but, website's really nicely put together. So yeah. Yeah. To- yeah. That's true. I mean, there's, you know, we definitely like everything looks a- aesthetically correct. That's true. So, well, okay. I, I had to ask this question because being a fan of uh, comedy and having watched it for as long as I have, one of the the more interesting things that I, I enjoy is not the right word, but uh, find terribly interesting is how comedians deal with bombing in a room because right. it's just, it's just going to happen. It's part of the job. How have you seen? Have there been some interesting ways that comedians have dealt with bombing whenever it's happened here? Well, I will say that. One thing that I've noticed over the years, and this is probably, I would say, 2000. So we opened in 2008. So probably starting in 2009 or 10, I don't know that a headliner has bombed. Um, And part of it is because the way that we present the show, there's just this automatic um, respect given to the headliner that they just sort of think, well, if they're the headliner, then it's good, right? Maybe here and there, one show out of five, but no one has just had a weekend where you're just like, what the fuck was that? It doesn't happen. Now, the one story that I have, so uh, Ben Bailey, who is the host of Cash Cab. Oh, right. Um, he, this would have been like 2000 and maybe late, 08 or 09 or early 09 it was he was certainly one of our first ever like celebrity if that's what we're calling him sure i mean certainly he'll get stopped on the street like that sort of thing and the saturday early show someone i wouldn't necessarily even say heckled just he probably you know asked a question and the answer was weird or something was weird and he just could not get back on track and it was so strange to see because the audience thought he was joking. It almost was like an Andy Kaufman moment for a non-Andy. He doesn't know who Andy Kaufman is, if that makes sense. Like yeah. he's, I'm sure that he knows the history of stand-up, but like he's definitely like his personality is not the type of person who would think that the Mighty Mouse bit is funny. So 
so he didn't know the audience like sort of maybe thought that he was being playful by being like I need to get back on tr-. like he just was freaking out basically and but oh, I've never seen rough. it since then um, I do have uh, I don't know if you're gonna ask me this later are you gonna ask me about like an I- interesting moment you mentioned that earlier okay so I can tell that now yeah go want. ahead absolutely so this is a, I can't believe I'm even telling you this because it's like we and I'm not I haven't like erased it from it you know I keep saying back to the future things I haven't er, you know I haven't um um like he's, he holds it up. He's like erased from existence. Like I haven't done that with this, but so screech was here. This yeah. was December or November of 2008. So we had just opened, like we're talking three months. One of the things that my wife and I had to do when we first opened was we had to have frat and sorority parties to be able to afford to live. So they would rent the club out either like a Thursday night after the show, or even in some cases like a Saturday night after the late show, we would have to be here to like three o'clock in the morning. Of course we didn't have kids yet. So it wasn't like the end of the world, but, um, so we had a frat Sammy, I think it's called. Okay. I think that's what it's called. Does that sound right? I don't know. I, I don't know. I know of the college stuff. When I moved here, I didn't realize that there were, I thought, I didn't think I knew that there was such a thing as a male sorority, which is a fraternity. I I remember being like, wait, there's ones for dudes? Like, I didn't, I thought it was just, anyway. So they rented it out for the, the, for after the Dustin Diamond show on Thursday. Yeah. So he's exactly as disgusting of a person in every way that that you would think that he is. And he's just this insufferable, just awful human being and was rude and just terrible at comedy. I mean, there's just nothing good about it other than the fact that my wife and I can recite every single Save by the Bell episode. That's the only reason, obviously, that he was here. Right. And of course, you can't call him Screech. No. So he, so we, we, he has. I don't remember if they were at the show or somehow he had two girls. He's married. Mm-hmm. He had two girls come back into the green room with him after the show, and uh, <clears throat> I wa- I would keep go keep going in, and I was like, hey, we've got this other thing that's coming in. You need to get out of here. And he's like, no, I want to stay. I'll just stay back here, and then once it's over, we'll we- I'll leave. Well, not surprisingly. Cause he's sort of looking for trouble. Like yeah. he's just one of these people that like he wants to be noticed, even though he knows it's going to be bad. So he's quote, got to go to the bathroom. And of course there's no bathroom in here, as you can see. So he has right. to go out on the floor and all of a sudden you've got these drunk, just completely entitled piece of shit frat guys and sorority girls also who are just entitled horrible people and i'm not saying they all are i'm just saying that night is what that's that's what we had that night and there's east coast rich kids or whatever so of course nothing screech yeah exactly screech fucking walks in and they're like holy shit it's screech and one thing leads to another and he fucking punches a guy in the face. Of course, of course. And I have to sort of I mean, it was it was crazy. And um 
So I had to like talk the guy down from like wanting to kill him and or pressing charges or whatever. And a dude punched a hole in the bathroom door, which is still there. I've never replaced it. There's still like a sort of a like a little hole there. Um, we had that same night. People were fucking over here. They were just uh, they were just that's just what was happening. Just going at it. A guy yeah. peed off the balcony. This is all the same night. We have like a fire escape over here and a guy just opened the door and peed out of there. I mean, we have bathrooms. So that was an interesting, so he, of course, like, you know, just, it was awful. And that was the first night. So we still had, we, and we even, we had a Sunday show for some reason. So we had two more shows Friday, two shows Saturday. And then we had a God awful Sunday show, which of course we don't do anymore. We don't have enough people to have this many shows in a week. Yeah. You know, it's like you'll see these open mics around town. It's like there'll be four people there because there's nobody. We don't have enough people. If we've got empty seats to see like great comics, then we're tapped out of fans. I mean, there's just right. isn't that many people. So anyway, so yeah, I thought you guys would find that, that interesting. Is, that I is pretty know. entertaining. We'll, yeah. of course, have to, to post up a little uh, ahead of uh, episode. Please beware that uh, in this episode there will be frank uh, yeah. language and yeah. some uh, adult content and themes. Yeah. <laughs> no, so oh, I mean, the cleanup was fun that night then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, it was just... <sighs> and, I, and I mean, in my memory, the, we had to have had like a staff here, but like I don't really remember how many staff we had. I mean, my wife, I would say the first few years, um, she probably waited every t- she was probably the only server on more often than we had two servers on so the, for the longest time she was the only one that ever served here uh or mostly served and then of course once my son and so my son max when the first couple year and a half or so that he was alive i took care of him during the shows because we were so poor that you know like dana had to work to make money and it's just we couldn't afford to pay a babysitter so yeah. There's photos of like Mark Marin and Bobcat Goldthwait, Nikki Glazer, like ho- holding Max, and it's really cool. Uh, in fact, uh, H- Hannibal Burris on the the stair on the stairwell, he signed it. I'll come back when Max is less racist because it really is true uh-huh. that it could. I may have been the first black person that he ever saw, and he started crying when he tried to hold <laughs> him. And of course, Hannibal is like, "Oh, he's racist," which is really funny, actually. That is funny. Um, but yeah, so like he had, yeah, he's got some some photos of some pretty famous comedians. That is that is a that's an interesting legacy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's become it's weird because he was like very he's very shy now. But when he was when he was first able to talk, he was like, you know, I felt like that he had really sort of come out of a shell when he was really young because he was always around comics, you know, but. My daughter didn't have that luxury, and she's way more outgoing than he is, so it's really weird. But... Mm. Anything to add, good sir? We can we can turn into the Barry Gibb talk show. No. No. No, I don't. <laughs> Watching that the other day. So you yeah. said Saturday Night Live, uh, Cass. So you say the current members kind of cycle through here from time to time when the yeah, off-season or off-weekends? Sure. We had... Uh, and like recently we've had Chris Red, we had, uh, M- Melissa v- via C- senior and then Alex Moffat is coming in January. And that's the oh, thing cool. is that like we book, they don't have very many off weeks, you know, like we did my- Michael Che for limestone and 
we've had there's a bunch of like lower level cast members or writers who want to come here and it's just like you don't want to go to the well too often because then you sort of saturate the market like we had um a bunch of daily show fatigue in the last few months because we had roy wood here who's one of the best comedians on earth and then trevor noah came to town and so then when we had uh Jeez, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jordan Klepper, who used to be on The Daily Show, who has his own show now. You know, it's like the third $25 ticket in a month, you know. It's sometimes <laughs> There's hard just to so them. many people that are going to come to see The Daily Show people. So, And I'm sure the Trevor Noah seats were way more than $25. So. Yes, they were. Yeah, so. But that's what I mean. It's like it can happen where there's too much of a good thing. So. I, I, I can definitely I can definitely get that this market specifically maybe maybe a little bit difficult for that. Well, if you have regulars and those regulars maybe right. they'll come a couple times a month and if they're used to paying a, a $5, $10, 15 whatever and then you've got a whole bunch of 25s lined up in a right. row, that that right. might tax some respect. And that does happen where we'll have sort of an a two or three month span where we have too many big shows mm. right in a row. So you try to avoid that. Like when I'm mapping everything out, I'm sort of thinking one major name per month. But sometimes if you get four big name comics that only have availability in a specific amount of time, you end up with what we did in September, October, November. Like Michelle Wolf was here in the same you know, week, three week span as three other comedians that are like the same level as her. So Man. can't turn them down. Right. Exactly. And how good was her? How good was her roast? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. She, she actually was here. She had to cancel because she was getting ready for the roast. And then she came back almost right after it. So we had to, she's had like death threats, of course. Oh, so yeah. we had to have the only time I've ever had like a guard here. It's crazy. I re- I was really rooting for her. as soon as she got that Netflix special. It's like yeah. man, she's she's so good live. Well, she's also she's also the thing. It's really weird about her that really like John Mulaney is the only other comic that like people who follow comedy as closely as as I do and a lot of other comics like they're the two people you're like you're too good at this too quickly. Mm. Like the majority of the time, you can tell how new or how old that someone is based on how good they are. Yeah, and of course they're. There are a few exceptions, but she, I mean, she was, she had like a regular, like a real job, like on Wall Street. So as an adult, she was already like making good money. So she didn't start doing comedy until after that. And she's not old. So she's only been doing it for like, you know, not even 10 years. I mean, for someone to be that good within 10 years, it's just almost, it's almost never happened. Well, let's, let's finish on a potentially charged subject as soon as you mentioned michael che i knew i I knew i had to finish we were talking about this before we got into the recording do you see a change i know i know because you've kind of uh, cultivated a specific uh, group of people that come in here but have you seen a change in the way that um, comedy is consumed maybe or reacted to there seems to be um, a slight slight difference in not social norms exactly, but in what attitudes, yeah, acceptability. Because uh, comedy was, I think, always a safe haven in how you could approach or what the subject matter was. And of course, that's changed a lot in the last X amount of years. Do you see that from 
what comes through here or do you see it addressed or is like you said before is it because you have a smarter audience here that's not really a thing well from a personal standpoint i'm always going to side with someone who has a problem with punching down so i i'm not a like my i guess here's my just the most basic way i can say this I believe that any comedian should be able to say whatever they want at any time. But I have to question, why do you want to Mm. in a lot of cases? And that's any time that you, you know, as a straight white male, I view a lot of the freedom of speech comics to be, it's just not for me. Like I don't, I don't believe that you, that it makes any sense for you to punch down. I feel like you can find enough to talk about without having to do that. Now, it's not just straight white male comics. I mean, a lot in a lot of ways, it's you know, there's there's a there is a level, you know. And as a straight white male com or as a straight white male person, I'm always going to be at the top of that. I'm gonna if I interview for 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 a job, I'm gonna get the job, like that sort of thing. And then you go down. It's like you know, is it a straight black dude or a straight white woman is next. I don't know. But my point is as you keep going down and you keep adding, you know, different reasons why the power, uh, is less on each level. What I don't, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me to have a comedian who goes after somebody who is not as privileged as they are. And that's just the way that I, that I've always looked. Now that's not to say that I'm not going to laugh, at a joke that I probably shouldn't laugh at. I, I do. Uh, and I came up on, I mean, I watched e- Eddie Murphy. Right. Uh, I understand that there's a difference between laughing at something and thinking that that's how you believe. But I guess for me, I've seen too many great comedians who talk about broccoli that I don't necessarily think it makes any sense for you to talk about, you know, like, you know, like one of the, there are certain topics that have remained kind of, it's okay to do this. Like trans people like Che, for instance, it was just stupid. Like it doesn't, it's ridiculous for him to say he knows it's she, he knows that he's just being an asshole because he has the power. That's, that's the problem is that like he doesn't, if he didn't have the power, he couldn't do it. And that's, that's, that's where the issue comes in is that like, it doesn't even mean is, I mean, obviously he's nowhere near as powerful in this, in any business as Caitlyn Jenner is, of course not, but he's a man on television who knows very well what to call her. And he still says he, it's just, he's just an asshole for it in that case, in that moment. Right. I think he's funny. I think that he, it's, I think that it's not. You know, it's not Louis, you know, pulling his dick out bad. It's not that, but it's still, it's just being a jerk for no reason. And then, and I don't even mean him, I'm not, I I don't even know what his reaction to it was. I don't even know if he's tried to, I've never heard like, oh, afterwards he was talking, I don't know what happened. But the worst thing is, is when people like, I should be able to, you know, I can, like, it's comedy, just lighten up. Well, it's not that simple. Because we want comedy to be viewed in a certain way. And so you have to treat, like, maybe the worst, 
like for me, the worst I- example of all of this was uh, was uh, Ari Shaf- 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 Shafir on his last special. Maybe he's had one since then, but on a comedy special maybe two years ago. He's talking about a um, a female comic in L.A. and she's got one arm, and she's an open mic level comedian, right? Mm-hmm. And he names her by name in the mm. special. Like he says her first and last name. It says that she smells bad, and I think that like I remember there being like a reason that she oh there's like a you know she's got a reason that she doesn't smell that appealing, and I don't remember what it is. It was like. You know, something, What I don't know. There's a condition. But it's just one of those things that he's in that group of comics who's like, you know, we should be able to say whatever we want. Well, like, I, w- I will defend your right to say it, but I'm not going to book you because I think that you're a bad person. And that's just the way that it always, like, it doesn't even necessarily have to end with how you talk on stage. It's also how you treat people off stage. Like I've not rebooked people because they're assholes to my staff. And I don't mm. have, have, I don't have time for it. You know, so I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to curse. I'm really sorry that I've done that a lot. Well, it's okay. Some some of our kids who listen or like churchgoers, like what are we? Well, that's that's they don't give me specifics. They give me generalities of where the listeners are coming from. I see. Gotcha. <laughs> people in, some people in Turkey. Yeah, we have some tur- some. That's good. Yeah, we we've got some around. The well, world. Anyway, we Japan. just 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 uh bleep it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're I mean, good. Yeah, no, we we've had we we try and leave it open for our guests, whoever gotcha. it is to, to speak. Well, again, this goes back to not having a boss. You just don't think about it. Although I am really it's weird though because I'm able to. I've never cursed in front of my kids. So I don't know. It's an automatic switch. I did one time. I said the F word in front of my son on purpose because I was mad. I I wanted the, and you should have seen his eyes. (laughs) So because he's nine, so he's you know I'm sure he's heard it, but not that much. I've gotten really good at saying fudge. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, My wife was less than pleased with it. My 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 opinions on language are a little different. While I try and be in in an environment where it's inclusive, so that I don't. I, kind of similar to what you were talking about. I want I want people to be together. So even though I don't think language is necessarily a big deal, eh, there's some people that do. So right. I try and tone it down a little bit. But if you know if it was up up to me, the the idea of having any uh, most words, I should say, the the concept of thinking them as vulgar is really kind of stupid. Well, I will say this just to sort of play both sides of the coin here. There is also a lot. I definitely also uh, understand. The other side of the coin where sometimes people aren't listening yeah, and they take what they want to hear out of a joke. And maybe the biggest example of this back in the time frame where I still would text and talk on the phone to a- Amy Schumer. I talked to her right after they filmed the Charlie Sheen roast. Oh, yeah. And she was anticipating having a huge... Backlash, right? Because she did a roast joke right after Ryan Dunn died from Jackass, and she told me the joke on the phone. And my first reaction was, "I don't understand. Why would anybody be offended by 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 this?" But you don't, you don't, you know. I think her reaction was, "Not everywhere is Bloomington." Right. So point being that, like, there's a lot of dumb people out there. So the joke is, uh. Uh, Steve-O is here. Um, uh, we were really sad to find out that Ryan Dunn pe- uh, recently pe- passed away. And uh, Steve-O, I think I speak for everyone saying that we wish it were you. 
that is not a Ryan Dunn joke. That's no. a, that's a Stevo joke. That's mm-hmm. making fun of Stevo that we would rather have Ryan Dunn around than Stevo. Yeah. And it's absolutely amazingly hilarious. And one of the when she told it to me, I, I think I probably spit out my drink. It's really well crafted and funny. Yeah. But people hear what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, why are you talking bad about Ryan Dunn? No, she's it's a pro Ryan Dunn joke. Yeah. No, that's, that's so that happens part. all the time. Like one, maybe the most common one that happens here, because we, of course, as you can imagine, we get people all the time who are like so left wing that they're like, you can't even say we had, I had a lady leaving tears because there was an Amish joke. And she was like, that's what I mean. It's like we do sort of also have to we have to sort of fit in both worlds here yeah and i remember getting an email and someone um thought that uh one of my comics who's openly gay was being homophobic he's talking about himself like he was just they just weren't listening that's that's the point is that like but when we are listening and it's still going after a trans person or um you know just the like people who are not going to very easily be able to defend them themselves it's just it's just not something that I'm interested in having on on my stage. That makes sense to me. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us uh, on this, uh, on this interview. And, uh, I, I will look forward to, uh, we're going to, in a, in a future episode, be going over our top 10 favorite sports movies with you as, uh, as our guest. And I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, we may, depending on how things go, record that shortly. Just it may not release in quite the same, same yeah. situation here. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The, this was fun. Yeah, this has been great. I, I love getting a little peek behind the scenes, don't you? Absolutely. You get to see here. I think to hear the behind the scenes or the stories of the early days, I think, are things that you're not just going to get very much. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. It was too cool. Well, uh, until next time, uh, you should definitely take a chance, if you can, uh, come on down to uh, the club because it's a beautiful little club. We're going to post pictures up on the website, and it's if you want a more um, a, a comfy, a cozy environment that you wouldn't normally be able to get to be able to watch some great comedy, uh, the Comedy Attic is a great location to see it. Absolutely. Plenty of seats. Nice, like you said, nice and cozy and pretty easy to get into. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it.